Reminds me of a little story I heard about a father one day who lived in Phoenix, Arizona. He uh, called up a son in New York City, and uh, it was a few days before Christmas time. And the father told the son, he said, I hate to ruin your day, but he said, I have to tell you that your mother and I, we are calling it quits. quits. We're going to divorce. 45 years of misery is just, just too much. Well, the son responded and said, Dad, what in the world are you talking about? He says, you know, the dad responded, you know, we just can't stand the sight of each other. The dad said, well, so do me a favor, call your sister in Chicago, tell her the news. I don't want to tell her. And so a few minutes later, you know, after they hung up the phone, the phone rings, and it's the daughter from Chicago. And the daughter screams at her dad and said, what in the world are you thinking there's no way after 45 years that you and mom are going to divorce. He said this. He said, Ma, he said, said Dad, don't do a thing. He said, me and my brother, we're going to be on an airplane tomorrow, and we're going to be there in two days. Don't do anything till we get there. Then hung up the phone. So the wife to the father turns over to the dad there and says, well, what was all that about? He said, well, I called the kids, and the good news is they're coming home for Christmas, and we're not having to pay their way to get them here either. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a great strategy to get kids home for Christmas, but some of you extended family, if you get that call, maybe you might know there's some manipulation going on there. But anyway, if you would, grab your Bibles. We want to dive into the Scriptures here this morning, and just a message the Lord has stirred in my heart. Um, if you're new to Victory Center Church, our notes are available to this message by using the YouVersion Bible app there. If you open that YouVersion Bible app, that's a popular app many people use on their phone. You can go to the events tab there that's usually into the more section there. And if your location service is turned on there, it should pop up, Victory Center. If it's not, you can search for Victory Center Guyman, and that'll pop up there. And you can follow along your notes with us here today as we dive into the Scriptures. And so uh, if you would, grab your Bible, or grab your device, and let's uh, go to the Father God one more time in prayer as we dive into the message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the time we can come gather together here in this place today. And Lord, we thank you for all you've already done in this service today. We sensed your presence here. We've recognized your presence here, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for the relationship that we can have with you, Lord God. Here over these next few moments, Lord God, I just, I'm going to begin to try to unpack this message that you've been stirring in my heart to bring for this moment and for this church so, Lord, I would ask, first of all, that as I surrender my body, my mind, my voice, my thinking, my reasoning over to you, Lord God, Lord, that you would bring forth in this message today exactly what you want brought forth. And, Lord, for those that are hearing this message today, Lord God, I would pray this, that you would give us all the ears to hear what you're speaking in this moment for our life. Lord, would you also give us the eyes to see what you want us to see Lord, give us the wisdom here today to wrap our mind around the principle that we'll talk about here for these next few moments that we may apply this to our life, Lord God. Father, that we may continue on in the glorious journey with you, that we may become more effective at building your kingdom. In Jesus' name, everybody say it with me, amen and amen. I want you to open up your Bible with me here to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. You haven't realized that we're only 29 days away from Christmas, 29 days away from one of the most celebrated events in all of history, 
29 days away from unwrapping Christmas presents, and I'm just kind of curious, how many of you crazies out there already have all your Christmas shopping done? Is there anybody at all in this church today? Got some right over there. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that how many of you remember back in the day whenever the Christmas season would kick off after Thanksgiving? Anybody remember those days? But now it's shifted because now the Christmas season begins when? After Halloween. And so my new theory is that Thanksgiving is simply the halftime of the Christmas season. <laughs> kind of fits, doesn't it not, right? And so today I want to bring a message to us here today that just the Lord has stirred in my heart because, you know, if you're like me and many people and especially kids, you know, there's this kind of this anticipation that begins to stir in our hearts just for what's going to happen on Christmas Day when we come together with family and you know, and the Christmas thing, you know, and Tammy, she was in our group chat, you know, on uh, the day after Thanksgiving already, just, hey, what does everybody want? Send me your Christmas list. And um, I, I still have this kind of, this is just me, a personal kind of issue that I still have with Christmas. To me, it's not quite Christmas when you got to tell somebody what you want so that they'll go get what you already want. You know, I know that's the way everybody operates. Not now, you know, what do you want for Christmas? I'll go buy it for you. I, bet, I know that's the way it seems like everybody operates, but... You know, there's something for me that there's just this anticipation, this, this joy of taking a present that I have absolutely no idea what it is and unwrapping it and having that moment of euphoria or dopamine, whatever you want to call it, when you open the box like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Now, for some of y'all, you'll experience that, but for a lot of y'all, you're going to, you know, with my kids, for a Father's Day, I can pick up a gift that I can immediately know, that's a pair of blue jeans or that's a new shirt. But there's this anticipation that we all have for what is to come as we unwrap those gifts. Today, I've entitled my message this, I'm going to talk about hope unwrapped. We're going to unwrap hope today. Come on, we are living in a time where we need some hope in our world today. Amen. So I want to look at Matthew chapter 1 as we really kick off full speed ahead into the Christmas season. We're going to read here the Christmas story and found as Matthew penned it, starting in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, or she was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, meaning they had, did not have sex, okay, is it okay to say that word in Victory Center Church? Yeah, okay, okay. I just want to make sure I didn't have everybody fall out because of that. But before they came together, she was found with child of, everybody come on, say it with me, of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to read quite a few verses, so please track along with me. Verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of, come on, everybody say it with me, the Holy Spirit, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, and this is actually Isaiah chapter 7, verse 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child 
and bear a son, and they shall call his name. Come on, everybody say it with me. What? Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife. Verse 25. He did not know her. They still did not have sexual relationships. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name. Everybody say it with me. Jesus. They called him Jesus. It's here in these few verses we read. Many of y'all read the Christmas story at some point over the next month of December. You'll probably read some of the Luke account. But here as we read through the Christmas story, we see this tremendous story, the greatest story of all time of the coming of Jesus. You know, and if we think back to kind of what I was alluding to a few moments ago, do you remember as a child what it felt like in those days leading up to Christmas? Do you remember that anticipation that really makes Christmas Christmas? Do you remember that? See, that same dynamic is what made the first Christmas so extraordinary for the Jewish people of this time. See, for generations, men and women had been waiting anxiously for the birth of their Messiah with with no assurance that they would even live to see the Messiah come. The the coming of Jesus, if if you put yourself into the story, it was a very, very dark time. It It had been 400 years since there had really been any interaction with God the Creator. Over 400 years of time, think about that. For 400 years, God had been silent to his people. The only thing that God's people had was the Scriptures, and, the, and every Jewish person knew what the Scripture said about the coming Messiah. And it was this anticipation, what, huh, but this time when Jesus came, listen, this was not a good time. Not only had God been silent for 400 years, but the nation of Israel had been conquered and occupied by the Roman Empire. They were not living as free people. They had been conquered. They had to do as the Romans told them. Now, something else you may not realize, because a lot of times we read these stories, and like myself, I grew up reading the stories of the Bible, you kind of lose the, 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 the context of the stories because we just kind of glance through them. But I want you to think about this. Let me just kind of put the time of Jesus coming in context. Not only was 400 years that nobody had heard from God, the only thing they had was the Scriptures. There was no presence of God being manifest. The only thing I had there was the promise, but besides that, they had been conquered by the Roman Empire, and this happened in 63 B.C. Now, the writing of Matthew, where we read most scholars agree that Jesus came anywhere from, we don't know the exact date of Jesus' birth, but it was somewhere between 6 B.C. and 4 B.C. So think about this. These people, during this time, Mary, Joseph, the family, all the Jewish people, have been living under Roman rule for almost 60 years. 60 years. Now think about just a few weeks ago, we as a church, we celebrated how many years of ministry? 46 years, right? 46 years, you go back, Victor Center had just been birthed. Think about 60 years of living under Roman occupation. Do you think that there may have been some people who had lost hope during that time? The coming of Jesus was so significant, and 
If we're not careful here today, we just kind of glance through the story and we don't really truly understand the the severity or or the importance or the magnitude, let me say it that way, of what God actually did for us. Man, Jesus came, right? The people of that time, they probably wondered, is this what we read in the scriptures? Is it ever going to happen? Have you ever been to a moment in your life were you, were you standing on the promise of the Word of God and you had that random thought, man, is this ever going to happen? Is anybody in this church besides me have that moment, that moment where life is heavy, have had that moment, it seemed like maybe God had turned his ear to his eyes and his ears, and maybe you had that moment, I don't know the way the devil lies to us, God's forgot about you. You've ever had that moment, let me tell you, that's just part of the human experience. But the good news is this, man, if we all hold on to the promise of the word of God, come on, God will always come through for us. Come on, if we hold on to our faith, God's going to come through for us. Come on, look at somebody beside you right now and tell them, God's coming through for me. Come on, tell them that. Come on, God is coming through for me. Because I love the story in Matthew. Jesus came. He was born there, not in the fashion that kings would come, but he came and born in a manger. And I love that part there where it says that he was known as Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning what? God is with us. Man, think about this. For 400 years, God didn't seem to be with them. But the promise of Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. Church, I want you to know today, whatever you're going through, God is with you. Come on, he's with you in your situations. He's with you in your problems you're having. He's with you in your challenges of life. Come on, he's with you in the good times. Woo-hoo! But he's also with you in the hard times. Anybody with me here today? Come on, everybody say, God is with me today. Come on, say, God is with me, right? What an amazing thought. And you know, just that simple thought right there should stir up some hope in this place today. Amen? So this Christmas season that we're entering into, I want us to remember the hope that Jesus has brought to the world. It wasn't just during this time frame, but the hope of Jesus is very much for us here today. Amen. Whatever you're going through in your life, I want you to know Jesus is here, and he is our hope. So the significance of Jesus coming when he did, it was really to bring us the hope of eternity, the hope that God is with us. Amen? So let me give you three simple thoughts just right quick here, just... I want to just unpack for us here today three simple thoughts to unwrap hope today. We're going to open up the gift of hope. We're going to unwrap hope today. First of all, let's look at what is hope? What is hope? We throw it out a lot. We talk about it a lot. What is hope? Hope defined is this. Hope is simply this. A simple definition is this. It is confident expectation. It is what? Come on, help me out. What does it say? Confident expectation. It's not just expectation, but it's confident expectation. Confident expectation. It's kind of like when I come here for my Gaiman weekend, I got this confident expectation, I know it's going to happen, that my mom, whenever I get up in the morning, she's going to make me some breakfast. You're going to make homemade biscuits. I tried to get out of the house today, and I told her, don't bother with it. I'll just run through McDonald's and get me a good old sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle. And she said, no, it'll only take me 15 minutes. So I didn't want to offend mom. I said, I'll stay around and eat some homemade biscuits and some sausage, right? It's, when we look at the, the, that word there, hope, the confident expectation, see, this is the problem that so many people have in our world today. They got an expectation, but it's for something bad going to happen. It's in the negative sense. 
hope, the hope that we're talking about here at Victor Center Church today is a confident expectation that Jesus Christ is with us, that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. Come on. Come on. How many of you know that's a confident expectation? Come on. The hope that I'm talking about is we are promised in the word of God that we're the head, we're not the tail. Come on. We're above, we're not, come on, we're not beneath. Amen. Come on. We're blessed going in and we're blessed going out. Come on. Y'all know what the word of God says, right? The hope. Confident expectation. For the people of the time, the Jewish people, there had been a lot of time passed. They had studied the scriptures ever since as little kids about the coming Messiah. Hope had turned to desperation for God's people at this moment of time. They were desperate. Just when we read through the passage there in Matthew, there where he talks about, he quoted Isaiah chapter 7. Now this is incredible to me. Think about this for just a moment. The prophet Isaiah prophesied 700 and, at 740 B.C. is when Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah. It was at 740 B.C., 700 years prior to that, that he wrote and prophesied about the coming Messiah. 700 years, God's people had stood on this promise of the Messiah to come. Just to help put that in context, 700 years from past from us would be the year 1323. Could you imagine the desperation that the people are in at that moment? Maybe here today, you, 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 uh, you haven't been waiting 700 years for a promise, I know that. None of y'all are that old, right? But maybe you've been waiting for your promise to manifest. Maybe you can relate to part of that. Waiting for something to happen that you're believing God for. And how many of y'all got something in your life that you're believing God for? You are in confident expectation for it. Anybody at Victory Center Church today? Anybody got something you're believing God for? Man, I do. We do. We as a church do. I want you to see the scripture in Proverbs chapter 13. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. So if you'd like, you can just watch the screen. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says this. Hope deferred. Hope deferred what? Everybody say it with me. What? Makes the heart sick, huh. but a dream fulfilled. I love this, is what? A tree of life. Hope deferred. What does that mean? You know, the hope that seems to be out there distance, not coming our way. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I, you know, t- y'all, y'all know our story pretty well if you're visiting with us. We grew up here in Guyman. Uh, Mom and dad started the church back in November 1977, again, celebrating 46 years. Woohoo! Praise God for that, right? You know, grew up here. You know, went graduated class of 1986, a proud Guyman Tiger. Woo! Any 1986 class? Any of my classmates here? Yeah, okay, I know. Some of y'all are like, wow, you're pretty old. But I just got to remind you, there's a lot of older people in this sanctuary than me right now. Okay, just remember that. But you know, it was in January of 1988 that uh, after being here on staff for nine years. And that's a whole other story I could tell you about how God called us to Enid to start World Harvest Church. So in January of 1988, we moved from Guyman, made the track over there to Guyman, and started on January the 11th, 1988. We started World Harvest Church there at 6 p.m. that night, had 64 people in attendance. 64 people there in that very first church service. We quickly had revival in reverse. You know, by the time February hit, I think we had two people coming at that time. And so, but God began to bless it. It was our testing season. Everybody goes through a testing season, okay? I know the call of God is very sexy and looks glorious, but there's always the testing season. I want you to know that. But God, he began to bless us, and by October of that year, we, had, we were back up to the 60s again. 
uh, to where the point now where we're running several hundreds of people through the, on a weekend, except for this weekend because of all the ice in Enid. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. But I remember starting out the church there, you know, and just really just going at it. And, you know, um, I always tell everybody it's a good thing we were really young and, and kind of naive when we started the church because it was a lot of work. You know, for several years there, we just began to put our hand to the plow, just, just get in the business of work. One thing I'd always prided Victory Center Church, which we patterned out over there out of uh, uh, World Harvest of Enid after, was being a non-denominational church. You know, it's independent, non-denominational church. That's the way this church is. Uh, it's self-governed, self-ruled. There, Jesus being the head of the church. Uh, but we don't have a denomination that we're associated with. And for the longest time, I always knew, yeah, man, that's, that's a great way to do it. You know, we don't have to answer to corporation. We don't have to answer to... A big network, you know, we're independent, you know, we have our, we're self-ruled and self-governed. Well, I thought that was great, but the one thing I began to find out the longer that I was in full-time ministry as the lead pastor of the church, that I found myself at a place where, man, I just, see, I, I learned early on in those years, I need people in my life, I need connections. I need brothers in my life, I need a band of brothers, I need people, I need a herd. See, I want you to know something today. You're created to serve God, to walk with God, but you're also created for each other, for community. You need community. You need brothers and sisters in your life. Come on, our vertical relationship, praising God, praise God for that, but you also need some horizontal relationship. Come on, look at somebody beside you and tell them, I really need you in my life. Let me just throw a plug in from Wednesday nights. This is why it's important. I would encourage you, make an effort if you're not already, Come out on Wednesday nights, find your group, whatever it's like, because I tell you, if you need help in parenting, there's nothing better than getting some help from the Word of God, but also having a community of brothers and sisters around you that help you in your walk, in your parenting walk, whatever it may be. It's the study of Genesis with Pastor Eugene, whether the life of faith with Alan Brown, whatever it's a Spanish Bible study, you need people in your life, Okay. So I got to this place, let me get back to my story, in 2011, I found myself at a very desperate place, a very lonely place, a place where it's like, man, all the effort was doing just seemed not to be making any difference at all in people's lives. And so I remember calling up a pastor friend of mine, said, man, I'm just in a dark place. I, I, I mean, things are good at the church, but I'm so lonely. I need, I need, some, I need something. And he looked at me and said, you know what you need to do? You need to come to this pastor's meeting with me in Oklahoma City. I looked at him and said, you don't understand. I don't need another meeting. And he said, just come to the meeting. And finally, to appease him, I said, okay, I'll go with you. And it's incredible what I found when I went to that meeting. There was about 12 other pastors that pastoring, that had been seasoned pastors pastoring in Oklahoma. When I found a community that I could relate with there, you know what happened to me? Hope was revived in my life. Because I had lost that confident expectation of what God wanted to do. But when I got around some brothers and some sisters in my life, let me tell you, that hope deferred, I would begin to push that away and I would stir up my faith once again. Come on, we all need somebody in our life, amen? Because how many of you realize life brings disappointments? Anybody with me? Life brings disappointments. You know, Tim and I, we've been married, like, what, gosh, 35 years, I guess it's been that we've been married. And how many of y'all know, man, that's, that's, that's what we're celebrating, right? Come on, let me try that again. Tim and I have been married for 35 years. Come on, the longer we're married, the more we're going to celebrate. How many years have we been married? 
But I don't know how many of y'all husbands ever had, you remember those first few years trying to figure what this marriage thing's out? Well, I remember one Christmas that I had a brilliant, see, Tammy, she's the hardest person to buy for Christmas. I know none of you husbands have this problem. So we had just been on a trip to some friends uh, that lived down in Florida. And so while I was down there, we had this incredible quick ready breakfast where this lady took these Pillsbury Doughboy uh, uh, biscuits. You guys know the biscuits that come in a can? You know, the milk, milk biscuits, what do you call the, you know, the buttermilk biscuits? Yeah. She took those out, took about three of them together, smashed them together, threw pecans on it and threw it in a waffle iron. And then, you know, cooked it there, just there, you know, about a minute in the waffle iron and popped it out and put honey all over it. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever had. It was amazing. You got to try it. So Christmas was rolling around a few weeks later and I had this brilliant idea. I'm going to get Tammy a waffle iron so we can have some of those biscuits. Some of y'all already know how the story ends, don't you? You're laughing, right? I was so excited to get Tammy this waffle iron for Christmas. We're going to have some biscuits with some crushed up pecans on it and some honeys just smeared all over the thing. I remember wrapping that present up. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, and so I remember that day she opened, unpacked, that unwrapped that gift, and she saw the box of the waffle iron. She started laughing at me. She's like, Oh, this is so funny. I, this can't be a waffle iron, honey. What did you put in the box? I'm like, It's a waffle iron. <laughs> she unpacks the waffle iron. She goes, Are you kidding me? You got me a waffle iron for Christmas? Let me just help all your husbands out today. Do not get your wife any kitchen utensils for Christmas this year. Your marriage will be better. I can guarantee you that, all right? She had this expectation for something wonderful that her husband had got her, and she got a waffle iron. <laughs> kind of sounds like life. Anybody else with me here today? High expectation. I love the way Tammy's got a message she preaches. She talks about having diamond expectations but getting fruitcake results. You ever have diamond expectations of life, but you seem to be getting fruitcake? <laughs> Anybody with me here today? Come on, we got to stir up some hope in this place today, amen? Is there an area of your, area of your life that you've been disappointed in, that you have lost hope in? Let me tell you, church, this should be an incredibly joyous time for people. And I want you to know today, if you're suffering with hopelessness, there's no such thing, of, thing as hopeless people. There's just people who have lost hope. But man, we're going to stir up some hope in this place today, man. Maybe you've been to that moment in your life that you say, I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up. Come on, I want to stir you up. I want to get your hopes up here today because God is good and he's good all the time. Come on, let's put our expectation in Jesus Christ today, man. See, there's a hope that we can have in Jesus Christ today that will not disappoint you. The, the journey may look different than you anticipate, but let me tell you, God's ways are always the best ways. We have hope today. It's important that we hold on to that hope today. And so let me give you point number two. I spent a little extra time on point one. I'm going to pick it up to speed here. Let's look at the second thought that I want to see today, that hope is our anchor. Look what Hebrews chapter 6 says with me here today. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. I mean, everybody doing okay today? Look at your neighbor and tell them, this message is for you today. Come on, tell them that. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Listen to this. It says, so God has given both his promises... And his what? His oath, in other words, his word, his promise, his word. These two things, come on, look at this, are what? Unchangeable. Because it is impossible for God to lie. How many of y'all are glad about that today? 
Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. Can have what? Great confidence. Remember what hope is? Confident expectation. Thank you. Confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Verse 19. Look at this. This hope is a strong and a what? Trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope is a strong, come on, let's say it again. A strong and trustworthy anchor for our, come on, our soul. Isn't it interesting, our souls? Anybody notice that? He didn't say for our spirit. He said for what? Our what? Our soul. Why do you think that's important? What is our soul? Come on, anybody know what our soul is? It's made up of what? Our mind, what I think, our will, what I want, and our emotions, how I feel. You know, my life in Jesus Christ, I'm perfect in his eyes. How many of y'all know that today? I can't be any more saved. I can't be any more of a son of God than I am today. Man, I'm perfect in the eyes of God. The question is, how much of God is living in me, right? Now, I love the scripture here. He says that the hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor of our, come on, of our what? Of our souls, of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Come on, anchor. Everybody knows what an anchor is, right? I brought one with me here today. An anchor, if you, anybody ever goes boating before, you, you really probably need an anchor, but what's the purpose of an anchor? Hold you steady, thank you. Hold you steady. An anchor used properly, if you're in the boat, you throw the anchor out, falls down to the bottom, and then you hold on, you tie off onto that anchor, right? Now, isn't it interesting, he says that hope is the anchor of our soul. I think Christians sons and daughters of God, should be pretty stable people, right? Anybody know somebody, do not look at your neighbor right now. How many of you know somebody in your life that's maybe a little emotionally unstable? Don't look at your neighbor right now. (laughs) It says, hope is the anchor of our soul. Now, I voted enough, and, you know, we we go over, we got a little place over in eastern Oklahoma on Lake Tenkiller, so I... You know, we, we boat a lot. And there's one thing that I've noticed about, it can be a nice calm day even, and you can go out in the middle of the lake, you can turn the motor off and just swim, get out and swim, and it's almost every time we've ever done that, we can be swimming. If we're not paying attention, the boat drifts away from us. Because really the thought is this, anything that is not anchored has a drift to it. It'll easily drift. And, of course, you understand the principle that the stronger that the negative circumstances and the environment around it is, the easier it is for something to drift away. So this is very intriguing to me. It says that hope is the anchor of our soul. Church, we need, in these times that we're living in, you better have a strong anchor. If you don't have a strong anchor you're easily going to drift. Come on, we're living in crazy times. We're living in contrary times. We need a strong anchor, right? 
Amen. Now, it's interesting. Throw the last part of that verse. Throw that verse back up there, there, Larry, that Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Just I'm going to finish that out there because I did not finish the scripture there. But it says this. It's talking about hope being our anchor, but it says what? The rest of it there. If you get that back up, Larry, I'd appreciate it. It says this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. What's the rest of that say? It leads us through the curtain into God's inner Sanctuary. Now, those of you who have ever used an anchor out on a lake or wherever it's been before, you know, you throw the anchor in. Can you see where that anchor is secured to? Most likely, if you're in any, especially Oklahoma lakes, you ain't going to see the bottom. <laughs> it's down there, but you know it's anchored on something. So you can have the anchor, but what is the key to having an anchor? You know, I remember here several years ago, we was over like 10 killer. Uh, we, we jumped out of the boat, uh, turned the motor off, was actually pretty close to the bank, and uh, myself and the kids was in the water, but Tammy was in the boat, and, and the wind was starting to blow pretty good, and the boat was starting to drift to the shore, and she's like, honey, what do I do? And I said, throw out the anchor. And so she threw the anchor overboard, it's pretty deep water, and, and, the, and it started pulling the rope over, and about the time I said, honey, make sure that the anchor is tied on, that went off into the water. The anchor did no good without holding on to it. Help me out, Matthew. Whichever one of you Matthews want to come grab this. Uh, there's two Matthews on the front row. Is that right, or we got three today? Okay, just referring back to that time. In other words, here's a simple thought here. If hope is our anchor, you got to make sure to hold on to the rope, right? The old proverbial saying, when you get to your end of your rope, come on, tie a knot in it, and what? Just hang on. Hang on. Now, here's the principle. If, you, if Jesus is our anchor, hope is our anchor, right? Because Jesus is our hope, right? If Jesus is our hope, all you got to do is just hold on to Jesus. How do you hold on to Jesus? Stay in relationship with him, right? And it doesn't matter how hard the winds may blow in your life, you stay anchored to Jesus, you know what? You're going to be okay. You may not even know what you're anchored into besides Jesus. All you got to know is Jesus is out there somewhere. I may not understand it, but man, I know when I get there and the wind's blowing against me, the storms of life are blowing against me, Woo! I've got something stable in my life. Come on, hope is our anchor. Amen. Come on, look at somebody and say, this, this is a good word for me today. Come on, tell them that. Amen. See, see, God is more concerned, I want you to know. Look at Romans chapter 5 right quick, I, I, and I'm going to pick up the pace like I said a moment ago. I want you to know God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. Look at the scripture real quickly. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. Verse 3 says this, but that's not all, he said. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us a patient, everybody say it with me, what? Endurance. Verse 4, and patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. Verse 5, and this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we, can be now, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts of the Holy Spirit who what lives where? In us. Don't let the challenge of your life steal your hope. Come on, keep a hold of hope. Keep a hold of hope. Keep a hold of Jesus. So here's a question for you. What are you listening to? Because it's so easy to let hope diminish in our lives if you're listening to the things of the world. I love this little story I read years ago, and it says this, that there was a man who lived on the side of the road who sold hot dogs. He was hard of hearing, so he had no radio. He had trouble with his eyes, 
so he didn't read the newspaper, but he sold good hot dogs. He put up signs on the highway telling people how good they were and stood by the side of the road, cried out, buy a hot dog, mister. People bought his hot dogs. He increased his meat sales and his, uh, his, his meat orders and his roll orders. He bought a bigger stove to take care of his trade. He finally got his son home from college to help him out. But then something happened. His son said, Dad, haven't you been listening to the radio? There's a big depression coming on. The Middle East situation is terrible. The domestic situation is even getting worse. This made the father think. Well, my son has been to college, and he reads the newspapers, and he listens to the radio. He ought to know. So the father cut down on his meat and roll orders. He took down his advertising signs. He no longer bothered to stand along the highway to sell his good hot dogs. Well, sales fell fast, almost overnight. The father said, wow, son, you must have been right. We certainly are in the middle of a Great Depression. There just isn't any business. The moral of that story is what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What voices surround you? Who do you allow to speak into your life? Church, we got to be careful of that today. I've heard it said, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Come on, hold on to hope. Look at somebody say, hold on to hope. Let me close with this. My third and final thought is this. Hope is meant to be experienced. You can't be around Victory Center Church long without hearing Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Anybody know what Hebrews 11 1 says? Now faith is the assurance, right? Let me read you it out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. It says this. Now faith is the assurance. I, I, I like the way that it says there. It's, you know, the other translations say confidence, but faith is the assurance of things what? It's the assurance of things what? Come on, one more time. Help me out. It's the things, it's assurance of things what? Hope for. Where does faith begin? Faith begins with that confident expectation. Things hope for, it's the conviction of things not seen. Notice it says the things that are hoped for and the things not seen. There's a gap between that. It's almost like a paradox. The things hoped for and the things not seen. The things not seen. Let me address that for just a moment. Things not seen speaks to the physical experience, the surroundings, what the environment we're in, what, what the flesh experiences, what we see, what we smell, what we touch, what we taste, the things that are not seen. But it says that there's an assurance, hope, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Things, in other words, if we're going to have that confident expectation, we've got to know assuredly in our heart that if God's word says it, that that settles it. If, God, if our life is in God, then our life is going to be okay. So faith, excuse me, a hope, it's the beginning of faith, and it's meant to be experienced. How are you using your hope there here today? See, the plus side of hope is this, that through Christ, we have everything available, and no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, no matter how we feel, we know that we have got this confident hope in Jesus Christ that he is bringing us through in Jesus' name. Anybody with me here? 2 Kings chapter 4, we read the story of the Shunammite woman. Another great story of the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 4, we read about this woman who began to take care of the prophet. The prophet asked her one day, he said, what is it that you need? She said, I'm good. 
I'm good. And he said, no, what is it you need? And she said, and made a statement here. She said, don't get my hopes up, basically. She said, but I, 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 I don't have a child. I'd like to have a child. And the prophet said, a year from now, you'll have that child. Well, guess what happened? By the time the next year rolled around, she had a child. Pretty cool story, right? But the rest of that story is this. As that child began to grow, there was a day that that child was out working with his dad out in the fields, has a heat stroke, and the child dies from the heat stroke. Wait a minute. Houston, we got a problem. God gave the promise of the son, but the son dies. I want you to see something here in the scripture. I want you to see what the woman's response was. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 22. Look at it with me here in closing. And she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Verse 23. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon, it's not the Sabbath. In other words, it's not time to go to church. She said, what was her response? Come on, what was her response? You see those three words? Come on, help me out. Her response was what? Wait a minute, her son has just died. What was the deal? Let me tell you, she had a hold of confident expectation she was grounded she was grounded on the promise she was grounded in the word of God let's move on with this this verse 24 then she saddled a donkey she said to her servant drive and go forward do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you verse 25 and so she departed she went to the man of God at Mount Carmel so it was that when the man of God saw her far off he said to his servant Gehazi look the Shunammite woman verse 26 please run now meet her and say to her is it well with you was it well with the woman? Come on, was it well with her? Her son had died. Please run now, meet her, say to her, is it, well, is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, everybody say those three words with me one more time. It is About 15 years ago, we had this family start coming to our church over in Enid incredible family. It was one of those families that once they settled in as a husband and a wife, Lisa, David Singleton was her name. And they had this mess of kids. It was so cool. They were all musical. It was kind of like this instant influx of a worship team when they started attending our church because they all became part of the team. It was amazing. Went from just a few people on the worship team to all of a sudden this big old family. Well, about five years ago, David, he was just a good old boy. And uh, he worked for a heat and air company there as a plumber in Eden. Started feeling sick. Started feeling bad. Got to the doctor and he was diagnosed with pre-leukemia. It was a devastating report for that family that day. We as a church, we rallied around. We began to pray with, over David. Began to go into treatments. Kept getting worse. And I'll never forget the day that Lisa called me from Oklahoma City. She said, uh, doctors are saying that he's, this is it. He's not going to make it. We've got him on life support. They're wanting to take him off life support and come say our final goodbyes. So we, Tam and I, we immediately, we jumped in the car like, man, ran down there to Oklahoma City. We 
been standing at faith with his family, praying over this family, praying over David, believing. And here he is on life support. And the whole process of that, I'm not going to go into the details of that, but it finally came down to the time that, like we as the Mendenhall family had to do almost two years ago with Pastor Charlie, had to make the hardest decision they had to make, and we had to make it January the 1st of 2021, Pastor Charlie, to take him off life support. It was amazing to me, though, Lisa Singleton, she had her whole family there, and when that moment come, before they took him off life support, she said this, she said, I want you to know, every one of y'all here today, that we did not lose the battle, did not lose the fight. We've won. David is stepping into glory. It was heaven reward. He's run his race that we're all running. He's just crossing the finish line first. And then she began to lead us the most beautiful song that I'd ever heard in that moment of time. It is well. There for about 15 minutes, all of us who was in that IC room, we began to sing, it is well, it is well, it is well with our soul. The Shunammite woman, now her story ended up differently than David's did, than Pastor Charlie's did. Because when the prophet got to her and she said, it is well, the prophet said, no, what do you need? And finally, he realized what had happened and the boy was supernaturally raised back to life again. You know, you read stories like that and the stories that we've experienced as a church, Pastor Charlie, stories of David Singleton. We can't fully wrap our minds around why things happen the way they can, the way they do, but the thing we can do is in any situation we face, we can stay anchored to Jesus Christ. Church, I want you to know something. When Pastor Charlie passed almost two years ago. It was a devastating blow to all of us, to us as a church, to us as a family. But I want you to know that we are anchored in Jesus Christ. Even when we don't understand life, we are anchored in Jesus Christ. Hope is our anchor. What this church has experienced in these last several months I've been around for a long time. I know I don't look like it, but I've been around for a long time. I don't know if I've ever seen a church come through, I, don't, I want to be careful I say this, come through successfully, come through as well as Victory Center Church has done when something happened like we had experience. I think the reason why we have, hey, I want you Victory Center's days, best days are ahead of us. There's none behind us. We celebrate all that that's happened, but I want you to know God's got more in store for Victory Center Church than we've ever experienced before. Come on, there's more lives for us to touch. There's more kingdom to build in this region. Come on, there's more. How are we going to make it? Oh, come on, we just, you, you just need to, get a, you need to get tied off to Jesus. And no matter what the storm looks like, let's stay grounded to Jesus. Amen? Anybody with me here today? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet with me here today. Hallelujah. Let me give you this little Christmas prayer, I'm calling it. Romans chapter 15. 
Look at this, Romans chapter 15 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with, everybody say it with me, confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much just for the confident expectation that we can have in you, Lord God. Lord, our hope is in you. It's not in our job. Lord, our hope is not in this economy. Lord, our hope is not in the government. Lord, our hope is in you today. Hope for our marriages, hope for our families. The hope that you bring. Just keep your head bowed there right where you're at. If you're here today and you're faced with a situation where it seemed very bleak, would you just raise your hand and hold it up? You're faced with a hard situation. Maybe you're dealing with a family situation. Maybe it's a job situation. I don't know what it may be, but if that's you, is there anybody here today? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see a couple of hands. I just want to release something by the Spirit. Father God, you see these hands that was raised. Lord, I don't know what they're dealing with, but Lord, I'm confident you do. Lord, would you just stir the hope in these today with whatever they're facing may our lives stay strongly anchored in you may we be able to declare just as the Shunammite woman did despite the circumstances it is well it is well I want everybody to say that with me it is Come on, look up to heaven and say, it is. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, it is well. Why can we say that? Because our hope is where? It's in Jesus. Prayer team, if you'd come to the front at this time. Pastor Eugene's going to come and dismiss us, but if you're here today and you need prayer for anything in your life, don't go out those back doors here in just a moment. But I want to encourage you, come down here and let this prayer team pray for you. Those of you that raise your hand, I prayed for you, but maybe you just need some further prayer. If you need that, here in just a moment when we dismiss, come down and let the team pray with you. I tell you, there's something powerful about coming together with another believer, brother and sister in the Lord, coming together in faith, and having that confident expectation that God hears our prayers and He's going to work on our behalf. Amen. If you don't know Jesus today, that's the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. If you don't know Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. If you don't know him, here in just a moment, we dismiss. Come down here to the front. Let their team lead you in prayer to meet Jesus. Maybe you knew him one time, but you let life pull you away from that relationship. Now's the time to come back home. Amen. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.